Here we are, Locked On NFL, back again for you on this Wednesday episode. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. We are taking you around the league daily on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. We've got some Turkey Day football happening. We've got three games to get into to preview for Thanksgiving Day. I want to get back into the NFL 100. We talked running backs. We talked linebackers already. Defensive line is an interesting one, and the finalists are out for that. So Matt and I will see if we can get to the bottom of uh, who we would be choosing as the NFL 100 defensive lineman. You can find the show and all of your favorite podcast apps, just like all the programs here on the network. We've got you covered for all of your teams and league-wide on the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and more NHL shows coming up all the time, college football as well, and just college sports in general. So your team here is covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. Let's get into some, and by the way, if you are traveling while you're listening to this podcast, safe travels and happy holidays to y'all. We've got some Thanksgiving Day football, the early game, the Bears at the Lions, Matt, and a couple of teams that have been uh, pretty frustrating to uh, talk about all season long. Yeah, quick question for you, though, before we start. Do you have any, how much football do you consume on Thanksgiving Day? I mean, they... This has been my job for so long that it doesn't really matter who's playing, but I pretty much spend the entire day in front of these three games, sneak off, hit pause for dinner, and then come right back. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it's hard for me. Any. There's so much family stuff going on in those days. It's on all day long. My in-laws, where I usually go to my wife's family's house and stay there, they don't care at all about football. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, occasionally someone in the family will care a little bit and watch one of the games, but... um Generally, they don't care much, so I'm usually the only one really paying attention, uh, but I get taken away by children and family and, and all kinds of things, so I try to watch as much as I can, but usually it's more of a background noise thing, but uh, I'm going to try to pay extra special attention because we've got to break it all down here on the podcast, so um, it's usually a lot of fun because people are around and maybe go outside, and it, it, it inspires the youngins to want to go out and throw the ball around outside, which is kind of fun. That's good for sure, yeah. Um, obviously, if it's a Steeler game, I'm glued to it if not i still pretty much watch every snap and dvr them all and sometimes a late game i watch it like 10 or 11 at night after we're all home from wherever we're at and that type of deal um unfortunately kind of fortunately my projections and i don't mean to spoil the podcast for anyone but i think they're going to be three kind of lopsided games and the fourth quarters might not matter as much which makes my viewing life a little easier (laughs) But that's my projection for these. And starting with the Bears, I think the Lions, I know it's in Detroit on Thanksgiving. And is that even a thing anymore? Uh, I think the the Bears beat these guys soundly. I don't like the way this is going for the Lions. They already had a quarterback replacing Matthew Stafford that, um, you know, and he did all right for a couple of weeks. But basically a guy that I've seen with the 49ers, who's the third string quarterback and Jeff Driscoll's like, you know, he's he's the last guy on your roster, and if you keep two quarterbacks, then a guy like Jeff Driscoll doesn't make your team. If you keep three quarterbacks, maybe there's a Jeff Driscoll out there. And, uh, you know, not to crush Jeff Driscoll, but he's just not that good That's of a quarterback. Right. And now he's also hurt. And the latest I've seen from Detroit is that undrafted rookie David Blau, who is a player, i got to be honest, I did not watch a single snap from 
with him at uh, Purdue. He is an undrafted rookie, and he might be the Lions' only healthy quarterback in this game. Jeff Driscoll is day-to-day, according to Coach Matt Patricia, and obviously they're dealing without uh, Matthew Stafford already. So that's not good, or who knows? Maybe he's got some magic in him. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, don't know. I've never. I've seriously not right. seen him throw football. I, mean, I, I hate to brush these guys off before you even see them, but you mentioned what Driscoll is, and this guy's behind Driscoll. So, I mean, there's that's enough said. The Bears' D isn't what it was a year ago, but it's still very formidable. I think getting Khalil Mack blocked is going to be a very difficult chore. Yeah, Galladay and Jones are a good pairing, but can this guy get him the football? Can Driscoll get him the football? They've been leaning on Bar- Bo Scarborough as the, the early down grinder back, and that's nice, but it, it, he, when he's in there, you know he's not going to get thrown the ball. I mean, it, it almost reminds me of the Garrett Blunt, Theo Riddick era here with their running backs. Of They're just so different. It's such a tell when they're on the field. The, the Lions, I hate the word, they're not tanking, don't get me wrong, but they're really – sinking <laughs> you know i mean they're they traded digs the defense isn't great to begin with they allow a lot of production to opposing running backs i think montgomery and cohen both can be you know pretty productive i don't you know slay on robinson gives them a shot but uh this this bears i don't want to say the bears offense and trubisky are turning a corner but let's just say it's better than it was a month or two ago yeah, and it's a rough go for the Lions, who out of the gate looked like they were going to surprise some people and, and play pretty well, and now they've lost seven of eight, a really bad one, losing to a bad Washington team last week, so that tells you where they're at right now. Currently, when you lose Stafford, you lose Carrion Johnson, um, Frank Ragnow, who's one of the better young offensive linemen in the league, you lose your center too, so it's a rough go yeah. for them on the offensive side of the ball right now, and uh, I'm with you. I think it, it should be Bears by quite a bit, and I'm actually surprised the Bears are only favored by three and a half in this one. I know it's on the road, but um, I'll give away those three and a half points for the Bears, although it's probably not going to be very much of a high-scoring game. No, I just have a little more faith in the Bears' offense than maybe I should. I just think that I think they win by two touchdowns. I mean, say what you want about Trubisky. He's better than Blau, <laughs> and... Right, the, the their their line and their weapons are better. I don't think the Lions' defense is very good. This one shocks me that it's three and a half. Is it some sort of tradition? Thanksgiving in Detroit, they'll be better than ever. This is their Super Bowl narrative. I, I just don't see it. I think Chicago is a much better situation right now. That's a good question. That's a very good question. I'm not sure why that line is lower than uh, you and I both expect. The over under at 38, so they're not expecting a lot of points. So maybe that's why. Uh, but yeah, Bears over the Lions. I think we're in agreement with that one. Um, the Lions at three, seven, and one coming in. The Bears at five and six. Neither one of those teams have much of a playoff hope. Um, obviously, the Lions don't have any playoff hope because they don't have enough wins already in the NFC to get in. The Bears are pretty much right there with them as far as uh, playoffs. Right. It's just you know, it's a rough go for a team with a really good defense, and you hope the Bears' window stays open long enough for them to figure out quarterback, figure out what they can do there, come back strong next year, and be toward the top of that NFC North again. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, don't have a first-round pick. I almost feel like Trubisky has to take massive steps this last month or so of the year to have a lot of optimism around this team next year. I mean, unless they do something big like add a Cam Newton or something like that, which probably would be in the cards no matter what, add somebody. Right. But the NFC's rough. This division's tough. I don't have a lot of confidence in either one of these teams' big picture. 
yeah, I imagine that's a, a veteran quarterback situation. They'll try to bring in somebody, and maybe that lights a fire under Trubisky. Who knows? You know, some big competition, a slap in the face, taking the, the, the kids' gloves off of Trubisky, and be like, okay, here's a guy that's going to beat you out for a job unless you become the guy we hope you could be. Yeah, and I do have hope that the second half of this year will go better than the first, but that's a really low bar. And a low score in that game doesn't bode well for guys like David Montgomery or uh, the Lions receivers, you know, with that quarterback situation, Galladay and Jones. Um, you're going to start most of those guys or some of those guys if you're doing weekly fantasy, but daily fantasy, this is probably a game to stay away from. I would think, uh, again, I have, a, I, I have more hope for the Bears offense in this one than I usually do. I, I just think the Lions are pretty decimated and are not a very strong football team right now. So the Montgomery, Cohen, those guys I think are okay. No one am I doing jumping jacks though, to get in my fantasy lineup. Don't get me wrong. All right, let's move on. We've got Bills, Cowboys, Saints, Falcons to talk about, and NFL 100 defensive linemen. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code locked on. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. One thing I like about the Thanksgiving football situation uh, over normal NFL Sundays, I like Sundays better. Obviously, there's more games, but... Like the way my brain works, the ADD and watching like all games at one time and trying to consume every bit of information with like a TV with one game on and then there's another TV with Red Zone on and I'm trying to watch it all. You can kind of relax because there's only one game on. So you get an early game, you get an afternoon game, and you get an evening game. And it's just commercials. You can walk away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Go get another (laughs) plate of food if you want, uh, uh, another cup of coffee or, um, you know, maybe a cocktail for the night game or or wine or whatever you're you're doing there. Uh, Yeah, so it it, it puts my mind at ease because sometimes sometimes, and I want to, that's, it's my problem because I want to try to take it all in. Like when I go to a sports bar, if it's an important game, I hate going to a sports bar to watch a game. Too many TVs, too much going on, too many people trying to talk. I cannot concentrate, and sometimes I end up seeing so much less of the game than I would if I was just at home watching a game you know, with, with a couple of buddies. Yeah, I think there's an art to that, and I haven't mastered it either. You know, like, <laughs> right. Even like when I worked at ESPN, I would go up there two or three weekends per season, 
and they call it the war room and the whole front of the room is huge TVs with every game on. And there's a great set of, you know, all this food to the left and anything you want. And there's maybe 40 or 50 of us in there and everyone has their regular seats. Berman and TJ are in the front and I would just shovel in wherever because I wasn't a regular but I hated watching games like that. Like, I just wasn't good at it. I mean, it was a lot to consume, and my eyes just didn't absorb everything all at once. But some of my buddies go to um, – some of my best friends go to a sports bar every Sunday, and they they love it that way. Like, they can get a little bit of everything. I mean, they don't do this professionally, obviously, but there is an art to watching games that way. I'm with you for Thanksgiving, though. It's nice just one game on, chatting with your uncle, you know. Um, Bill's the Cowboys. Eight and three versus six and five. Bills are rolling. We just saw Dallas lose a tough one in New England. I just think Dallas is a way, way better football team. And that sounds rough on the Bills. So maybe it's not way, way, just way. Um, But I think Dallas is loaded with talent. They're much better at home. I think they win huge in this game. This is one where I'm really interested to tune in because – on paper, I totally agree with you. And you were talking about yeah. how, you know, and this is the one I wanted to ask you about when you said, okay, this could be three blowouts. And I was thinking, okay, obviously, and I had feelings going to be Cowboys at home would be the team you would think would would be big winners here. And they're favored by six and a half, which is a big line against someone that has a better record than you and a team that's eight and three at this point in the season. A couple of anomalies like that in, uh, this week on the NFL schedule, this Cowboys-Bills game being one of them. I, It's not that I think the Bills aren't good. It's that with their schedule and the teams that they've lost to and the teams that they've beaten, I just, I'm just i interested to see who they are because we're going to find out who the Bills yeah. are real quick. We've got at Cowboys, we've got Ravens, at Steelers, at Patriots, and then the Jets to finish it out. So they, they're fighting for a playoff spot, and they've got to win two at least of those games, right? And um, there's three games that, that look a lot more difficult, and this, this is one of those. So I'm interested to see who this Bills team is. Let's go on the road. Let's see if we can play our brand of football that is based around a strong defense against a team that is putting up the most points in the league right now offensively in the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm interested to see how this one goes. And I think if the Bills show up and like, look, we play our brand against anybody and we can beat a really good football team on the road, then count me in as a Bills believer. But right now I am not a believer yet because I just haven't seen that against a good team. I don't know about the six and a half point line here. But uh, I agree with you that there's there is potential for a Cowboys blowout too, and maybe we find out. Okay, and and look, if the Cowboys beat the Bills soundly here, then everyone's going to crush the Bills at eight and four and be like, oh, they were just never any good anyway. Didn't pay, play anybody, and I kind of hate that argument. I've heard that a lot about the the Forty Niners. Heard it some about the Patriots this year. Obviously, that NFC East schedule is one of the easiest right now in the NFL. So all those NFC East teams have just not played the toughest schedule. But you can only play the teams that you are lined up in front of. So the schedule is not your fault as long as you handle your business. So let's see if the Bills can handle their business. Yeah, and it's odd. Like you said, they're 8-3, and three and we're still not sure who they are after 11 games. You know, And I'm with you. I'm not sure either, but I certainly feel like, especially with their schedule ahead that you laid out, there's a much better chance they end up with 9 wins than 11, and they already got 8. Um, Dallas is much better at home. Like you said, that's maybe the best offense in the league. I know the Bills' defense is quite good. It absolutely is. 
but they almost refuse to put an extra defender in the box, for, you know, and I just think that with that line, this could be a big Elliott game at home, just churning out yardage against a smaller front. Um, you know, White versus Cooper. Cooper got shut out last week. Is he 100%? Probably not. But I still think Gallup can do well. Dak does pretty much does well against everyone. And the Bills are fine. I mean, I'm not killing them, but I just don't think Allen and company are, are able to put up 24, 28 points in this game, and I think the Cowboys will. And the Cowboys are that team right now that are sort of bipolar, and they'll play bad one week and good the next week. You think they're yeah. great, then they play awful, and then you're like, oh, maybe they're not that good, and then they look amazing and look like one of the better teams in the NFL. I know you had them, what, fourth in your power rankings? Uh, and that's a team uh, right that's in neighborhood. right, and that's a team that's six and five right now, and so um, they are really underachieving. So maybe this is another one of those for the Cowboys. Like they've got something to prove as well. It's not just the Bills. No, you're right. And I mean, let's just say the coaching advantage goes to Buffalo. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree there. And by the way, I think maybe the Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones might agree with you there. Did you hear his comments about? Uh, I mean, he kind of threw some people under the bus with that loss last week. Yeah, special teams, preparation for weather, things like that that fall on coaching did not go well. Um, yeah, I think the seat is pretty darn warm for Mr. Garrett. Let's move on to the evening game here. We've got the New Orleans Saints on the road. Quick turnaround. They just played three weeks ago, the 9-2 and two Saints at the 3-8 and eight Falcons. The Falcons surprisingly blew out the Saints in New Orleans. I wonder if there might be a little bit of payback here for the Saints against the Falcons now in their place yeah and before that game we talked about how this is a much bigger rivalry than much of the nation realizes um and I think the Saints are going to come back with a vengeance that Falcons defense came back to earth in a big way last week but the Saints have some O-line injuries that are worrisome on the left side in particular so maybe they can get after Breeze to some degree I just think it's a huge Kamara-Thomas game. You know, Kamara's been really good, but we haven't seen that game where he just takes it over, and we know the Falcons historically give up a ton of receptions to running backs. Jared Cook's really stepped up of late. Um, I like the Saints' defense, although I do think it's much different when Lattimore doesn't play. Julio Jones is fighting a couple injuries, um, but I think they'll get after Matt Ryan. I don't think the Falcons will run the ball. They never do. I know it's in Atlanta. I think the Saints win this one pretty big. And Teron Armstead, left tackle for the Saints, is yeah. officially out. He's got that high ankle sprain, and I don't know if the Falcons' pass rush is good enough to really do a number. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Is it how, real or not? Right. It was good for two weeks. Yeah. Know? And so, and here's the other thing is so the Saints were the first team they changed up that defensive play calling duties there for uh, the Falcons. So now that the Saints have seen a game against them with the new play callers and two other weeks of film to watch and get some tendencies, maybe they've been able to change some things. And so uh, I just really like the advantage Saints here, even though it's in Atlanta's place and uh, the odds makers feel the same. New Orleans favored by seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll take all the favorites in this on this Thanksgiving slate and pretty comfortable. I mean, that seven's a pretty good number, don't get me wrong, because the Falcons can score, but I think the Saints pay them back in a big way after how the first game went. 
the division rival part of this thing and the Falcons being at home, I don't love that one. I probably wouldn't put any money either way on that, but I do like the Saints straight up, obviously, and I'm with you on the Cowboys and Lions on Thanksgiving, or the Cowboys and the Bears on Thanksgiving that have potential to win big. Uh, but that Bills-Cowboys game, that's the one. It's like, let's see who both you guys are right now. Uh, I'm, I'm interested yeah. in that one for sure. I'm glad that's the one that will have the most views and it's the best game of the three. I just think we're going to get, I don't know, is it Jekyll or Hyde? Whoever the good one is from right. Dallas. That game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good call. All right, let's uh, get into the defensive line NFL 100 next. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash locked on. Now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with our buddies at MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be gigantic. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Here's the best part. If you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit, and you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use our promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win. You get paid. Shall we do it like we did yesterday with the linebackers, Matt? I'm going to read the names of the 20, no, the 33 defensive linemen finalists for the all-time team, 14 of these players. So more D linemen than linebackers are making the all-time team, and we'll see uh, who our 14 are that make it from this list. Sounds good. I have not looked at the list on purpose because I just wanted to react when you said the names um, I think this one, more than the other categories, though, a lesser percentage of the finalists are going to make it. I mean, less than 50% of the names you mentioned are going to get in, so we're going to have to yes. be pretty strict on these. Right, so most of these guys are not going to make it, but they they had a bigger group of finalists. Let's start with Doug Atkins. He was an NFL uh, pro bowler in 1982. He played from 1953 to 1969. This is one of those that I don't have knowledge of. I don't know if you ever saw the great Doug Atkins play a former first-rounder of the Cleveland Browns in 1953. Yeah, I know a fair amount about him. Bigger than nastier than everybody else. Um, probably on the wrong side of the fence, though, for this argument. Willie Davis, similar era. He retired in 1969, also a Hall of Famer in the early 80s, played for the Packers and the Browns. Yeah, again, a, a really good player on a really good team. Uh, became a household name with the Packers, great player, but if less than 50% are going to make it, I'm going to be pretty stringent on these. We've got Carl Eller, and again, these are in alphabetical order. Carl, Carl Eller was inducted into the Hall in 2004. He was part of that Purple People Eaters defense for the Minnesota Vikings in the 70s, uh, retired in 1979, really good player for a really long time. Yeah, he's going to be a no for me, though. I mean, I think he's probably... 
again, this is ugliest girl to beauty pageant situation, but <laughs> right. I think of all, all these great players they mention, he doesn't have a shot. And it's interesting because these players are like, oh, this is a great player, and for a great football team, you can't write the history of the NFL without including this name, but this is the elite of the elite here, all-time yeah. 100 players, so only 14 of these defensive linemen get to make it. Len Ford. 1948 to 1958, a 10-year career Hall of Fame inductee in 1976, another Cleveland Brownie. Uh, uh, that, that's when the Browns were awesome. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that name. <laughs> I, I feel better about it, too, then, because I was reading his bio like uh, none of this is ringing a bell for me. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple in this this exercise. I just don't know who they are. So maybe he makes it because we do know some of these pre-1970s guys, pre-1960s guys are going to make it. And at my hunches, they'll probably take 12 guys that we're familiar with and two old dudes. And again, I talked about this yesterday. The NFL has done a bad job with propping up yes. some of the older players in the history of their game. And I think it's because, you know, in the 20s and 30s and, and 40s and well before, you know, the, the Super Bowl era, it, baseball was the, the popular sport, and you know those names. You know, I know some names of the guys from 1908 in Major League Baseball, and uh, yet there's guys in the 40s that seems like they played in an era even longer ago than that because you just don't know the names. You don't see the highlights. You don't see the stats, uh, and they're not talked about as much. So this is I, I like this for that purpose because they get to talk about some of these old-time players. Yeah, I thought about that a little bit since you brought it up yesterday too, and even like when you throw the – you see the video clips of these old dudes – Everyone looks the same on the field. You know, right, they, it's black and white, and everyone's just muddy and has the same yeah. color on, it looks like. <laughs> conditions are horrible. And I also thought about the field conditions are horrible. I was also thought about it doesn't translate as well to radio. You know, like I can picture a baseball yeah. game, Babe Ruth comes to the plate, the wind, you know, it's slow moving. You think about the hitter, you think about the pitcher, every pitch. So I think baseball was much more radio friendly from, you know, before TV took over. Right. You get that a lot. I'll hear some radio calls for play and it's like, oh, so-and-so passes to so-and-so, 10, five touchdowns. Like, oh, well, what happened? What route did he run? Uh, was he on <laughs> right. the left hash, the right hash? Was he on the sideline? You know, uh, is there so many things you can't, you don't have time to say in a, in a radio call for football. That's a great call back in the days of radio. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, baseball so slow, they spell it out. Okay, it's three and two. The pitcher whines, you know? I mean, everything. So, yeah. Bill Hewitt. We're going back to the 30s on this one. He, um, I know he's a Hall of Famer. That's yeah, about Hall of Famer. These guys are all Hall of Famers. Uh, he was a, a known as the offside kid for his knack of reading the snaps. It looked like he was offside. No, okay. He was just, he was one of those guys that jumped the snap well. Good yeah. for him. Maybe he makes a team. I can't vote on him one way or another, though. Sorry. Yeah, I, I can't help with Bill Hewitt. No. Eagles and, and Bears, by the way. Okay. Um, Deacon Jones, here we go. I think this is a no-doubter for a me. Yes. Yeah, 1961 to 1974. Unanimous All-Pro first-team honors in five straight seasons between 65 and 69. Eight Pro Bowls. Um, obviously he invented the term sack. So I think that's important <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. Um, and before uh, they even were recording sacks. Right. Know, I mean, exactly. Yeah. The so they're like, ever there's this thing were. that these players are doing. What do you call that? It's like, oh, this is sack. I sacked that quarterback. It's like, okay, it's an official stat now. Congratulations. Uh, Rams defensive end an all time. Great. I think he's an easy one. Yeah. 
Howie Long. We're getting more modern here. 1981 to 1993. The first player to have played in either the 80s or the 90s on this list. Why are all the old timers have names that are higher up in the uh, in the alphabet? Isn't that weird? That happened yesterday, too. Um, yeah, so Super Bowl champion Raiders inducted in the hall in the year 2000. He was defensive player of the year in 1985 for those Oakland Raiders. I loved uh, Long growing up. Obviously, his kid's in the league now. He's still very prevalent. But I got to say no. Great player, but not one of my 14. So we only have one slam dunk right now, right, in Deacon Jones? Deacon Jones, yeah. Well, that was L.A. Raiders, excuse me, right, in 1985? What year eh, did they probably, move to yeah. L.A.? I, can't, I always get confused about that, that move back and forth from L.A. to Oakland for the Raiders, uh, who are going to Las Vegas now. Gino Marchetti, 1952 to 1966, a Colts legend. Those Johnny Unitas-led teams. Two-time NFL champion for the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, I think he's a yes. I mean, I don't, I'm not as familiar with him as most people, I will just say, is a yes. But his reputation is extremely strong, um, considered the best defensive player if, if on a great team and, you know, one of the absolute best players of that generation, I think Gino Marchetti goes. Named to the 1950s all-decade team and a then-record 11 straight Pro Bowls. Pretty good. So I think there's a good chance he's going to get in for sure. Yeah. Julius Peppers, the first guy from the 2000s here. 2002 to 2018, I still feel like someone's going to give him a call at some point. He's just uh, one of those freak of nature athletes, former number two overall pick. Defensive rookie of the year in 2002 and didn't really slow down there. Um, we, I think, all know how good of a player Julius Peppers was for a very long time. But is he one of the top 100 ever all-time team defensive end? Phenomenal player, long career, stats, passes the eyeball test in his spare time. He was the sixth man on his, his college basketball team. And that was North Carolina. <laughs> it wasn't right. like it was, you know, some, you know, it wasn't like Akron or something. I mean, it was a pretty legit team. I got to say no, though. Um, I'm not sure that he's one of the truly, truly elites of this generation. So good, so athletic, a special player. But yeah, we're. Uh, I think the bar is high here for this list, mm -hmm. but we're getting close to the end. I see some names, though, that I think are going to start uh, being automatics. Uh, this one is not I, one I of those. I feel like we've done defensive ends, and we haven't done the defensive tackles yes. in terms of, yeah. Andy Robustelli, not a name I'm familiar with, uh, 1951 to 1964, Los Angeles Rams. I am familiar with the name. He's revered. But like, if I'm comparing him to Marchetti, the his Marchetti's reputation is is much stronger, from what I understand. But so, kind of guessing a little, but I say no. Oh, here we go. It's actually broken up into ends and defensive tackles. When I scroll all the way down here, I didn't realize there was a separate list for tackles. So uh, we've got yeah, a lot more sense. to go here on our on our 33 finalists. That leaves us at Leroy Selman, 1976 to 1984, a Buccaneers great. Some of the great defenses. Actually, I just saw a statistic here talking about uh, the 49ers rushing yard, or uh, passing yards allowed per game is the best since 1980, and it was these Leroy Selman Buccaneers that was the last one to allow fewer passing yards per game than the current San Francisco 49ers defense. Wow. A very underrated player. I mean, a phenomenal player. But he was with the expansion Bucks, and with the exception, I think, of that year when they went to the NFC Championship, 
he was generally on terrible teams. He was kind of the Archie Manning of his generation. I'm going to say no, but it wouldn't break my heart if he went on there. Um, I don't think he gets in, but again, I mean, we're going to side, we're going to be very hard, really difficult on our grading scale here. You know, we're going to have to break this up into another episode because I think we're going to finish the defensive ends and run out of time here, but this guy's definitely going to be one of them. Bruce Smith. Yeah, I think he's in. You know, Bruce has to go. Michael Strahan, the all-time leader in sacks in a season, um, I'm twenty-two say and a half. No, I mean I think he's great, and I know he's a big name, and people love him in New York. But I would take Selman and maybe Peppers over Strahan of guys I know pretty well. It depends if Brett Favre's a part of this, then he'll he'll <laughs> right. do something at the last minute to let him get in there. Yeah, they'll take an extra spot. They'll yeah. be one hundred and one. Demarcus Ware. I'm going to go no. I would put him on the tier with Peppers. Great, obviously. Um, Transcendent, no. Here's one that's difficult. I think I would put this player, if his career trajectory from a few years ago was going um, in in, stayed in the same direction, I would put him in over where? I'd put him in over Julius Peppers pretty easily. Uh, I don't know where this story is going to end, though, for J.J. Watt. Yeah, it is sort of a tough one, but I think he's a yes I think him and Aaron Donald are the best defensive players we've seen maybe since Reggie White, who I have a feeling you're going to mention here pretty soon. I mean, didn't Watt win Defensive Player of the Year like three times? I mean, he was the best player in the league for a long stretch and is still pretty darn good. So I'm going to go yes on Watt. Reggie? I mean, he was the best player in the league for a while. Right, absolutely. And I think that's kind of important for this. Like with those, that's what you're looking for here with the all-time 100 is who was at any point in time in history pluck out the best players in the league, and that's who should be on this list, right? So I would, I think a, a stat accumulator that played a long time and was good, I would take someone like J.J. Watt over that person. Yeah, I mean, 10-time Pro Bowler that played 12 years but was the 5th to 10th best player in his position for that whole stretch versus J.J. Watt, I'll take Watt. And that brings us to Reggie White. He's the easiest one of all, I think. Lock it in. The last one on the defensive ends list is Jack Youngblood. Played for those Rams teams. Five NFC Championship games. I know he's really good, but I'm kind of... And I'm pretty familiar with him, but I'm kind of shocked he's on this list. I I think he was one of my... Maybe my easiest no. So, I got Deacon Jones, Marchetti, Bruce Smith, Watt, and White. Reggie White as my slam dunks. And we've got a long list of defensive tackles to get to. We'll see if we can add to that list, and maybe we'll have to go back and find one more or two players to get to that 14. But uh, this is this one was pretty clear for me. There's a lot of slam dunks and only a couple maybes and, and, and a lot of players that I would think that would not get in. And may, maybe when we see these defensive tackles, uh, that will change the mind of, of where we have some of those defensive ends. Exactly. Well said. All right. We'll be back to... Oh, no, we won't be back tomorrow. Have a happy holiday. We'll be back Friday with our usual picks for the rest of the weekend games and hopefully carve out enough time to get into the defensive tackles on the NFL 100 all-time team. Safe travels to everyone. Talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.